Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Pleasure to be with you again this week. You know, this is a special weekend for us. Uh, it's Easter week. We've been celebrating Holy Week as we've been going on. And when we work or look at the month of April, April is a special month. First of all, it's Autism Awareness Month. So for, you know, any families that autism has affected them and for people that have autism, I tell you to keep them in your prayers, support, you know, the organizations out there, or Autism Awareness, help them financially if you can. And so because it is a special week, I did invite a special guest this week, which is one of my friends. He's been with me many years, and he is an expert in the area of finance. And we're going to talk a little bit about finance and a little bit about stewardship because it is also Financial Literacy Month. And so my guest this week is Peter Grandich of Trinity Financial Sports and Entertainment Management. So, Peter, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's an absolute honor to be with you, Frank, and especially during the Holy Week. Thank you, Peter. So, Pete, you know, it's interesting is, you know, I look at Easter week and, you know, the whole Holy Week we've been going on is, to me, Easter, holiest day of the year. It's what our whole Christian faith is really based upon, you know, about the resurrection. And I look at that as if that is our gift. It is, you know, I call it, it's a love story. It's the story of how much God loves us that, you know, he sends his son into the world to die for us on the cross Easter's the resurrection, and it's an unbelievable love story. And so we have these lives that we have, and what goes on in this is that we're always trying to figure out who we are in life, and we a lot of our lives' decisions are based upon how we manage money, how money controls us, or whatever the case might be. And so the theme that I really wanted to get at today, which is the fact that what we do with our lives in every aspect is really our gift back to God and how we represent him. And we talk about stewardship, and it comes down to our time, our talent, and our treasure. And, Pete, you've been working with your faith. I've seen you real great. I've seen you at the bottom and everywhere in between. And in all of that, whether it's your work or whatever, you do have stewardship. It's woven into everything you do. So I thought it would be a great week that perhaps you can share a little bit, which how did that come about? How do you live that faith as far as doing it? And just you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk later about money. Sure. Uh, without any education, I became a stockbroker in 84. And for the first half of my 30 years on Wall Street, I not only was a legend in my own mind, I turned the Ten Commandments into the Ten Suggestions. And I picked and choose which ones kind of worked right at certain times and ones that I sooner avoided. Uh, and then through uh, as trials that always come in and that God allows those trials because his hope at the end uh, is that those trials make you a better Christian and, and, and appreciate the two things Jesus, when asked, what are the most important things? And Jesus says is to love your God with all your heart and all your mind and to love and treat others as you want to be treated. And so uh, as that molded, and it took more than a decade to finally get that to where it became not just an occasional thing in my life, but most of my life, we're sinners, so it can never be 100%. Uh, stewardship became an important part of it. Generosity is a secular word for it. But Jesus, uh, interesting enough, gave us the, the, the manual to life. It's the Bible. And ironically, uh, and you don't have to be a theologian to know this, and you can find this out after you hear this interview, the second most talked about topic in all of Scripture is matters of money and finance. Yep. So God knew how important that was going to be in our lives. 
And interesting enough, there's not a positive verse in all of Scripture about debt. And you and I have witnessed for our three decades of assisting people of what debt has caused people, not only as individuals, but now as a nation being so indebted. And what's happened, unfortunately, as this country became more indebted, people tend to pull back on this stewardship. And stewardship doesn't mean simply you give money. That's not what it is. There's a very good investment people can make. And we've taught our children. I know you taught your children, and I've taught mine, and that's sweat equity. You don't always have to do it with a cash donation. There's a lot of other things you can do that doesn't have to be cash. But God challenges us in Malachi, and he, and he, he basically says, trust me, bring it in. Let me bring it into my storage, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you multiples. And it's easier when things are going well and people tend to do it, but no matter what faith and, 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 and throughout the Christian community, as soon as things get tough, most people pull back. They don't. That's one of the first things they cut, right. and it's really cutting their nose to spite their face. And it's not that you have to buy favor from God from stewardship because he tells the great story about the woman with the pennies. And it wasn't the fact that she gave everything, but just the fact that she just had two pennies and was still willing to give it versus the people that had excess. So stewardship and giving uh, is an extremely important part of life, and it's taught through the manual of life through, through the Bible. You know, Pete, is, you know, I'm, as I'm listening to you, what my observations have been over time is is that, you know, they make things in their life their gods. And for, and it's, I always say is, is it, their life gets a little out of whack and they lose sight of what's really important, what it's all about. And when I say what's important, what things are all about, you know, whether it be money or women or gambling or drugs or alcohol, once we start filling those voids in our lives and we're not coming back to God at the end, we're off track. And what happens is it takes a lot for people to realize that they're off. And one of the things that we talk a lot about in the show is what I refer to as lifestyle addiction. And lifestyle addiction is where what happens is, is we start out with the best of intentions. We're loyal you know, spouses. Uh, we're good with money and all that other stuff. But then all of a sudden it starts, geez, could use that, could use that. And people keep going on and on and on. And before you know it, their time is consumed by doing. Their money is consumed by just kind of you know, keep up with the Joneses. And by the way, I always say the Joneses are broke for those people that don't realize that. And what happens is we really get off track. We get off kilter, as I would say. And then we come down to this time of the year, and it's actually started back in December. And I call them, you know, we call them Cape Christians, which is Christmas, Ashes, Palms, and Easter. So we got the Cape Crusader. We got Cape Christians, which is, and once we get past Easter, it's almost like, where'd everybody go? And Part of my message today is really to say to people is, is that to have responsible wealth, and when I talk about responsible wealth, is a life that's a balanced life, which is, and you know, we talk about it, I call them the wealth building blocks, which is faith, family, health, purpose, and then money. And in that order, a lot of people get out of kilter. So as we're reflecting and we're going through you know, what we've been going through Holy Week, you know, we're about to celebrate the holiest day of the year tomorrow. Part of the message really, and the message to everybody is, one, are we really being a good steward? 
of who we are, our time, our talent, our treasure. And when I say that is part of being a good Christian is who are we being all the time? And when I say all the time, even if I get away from the money side of it, because a lot of people think, oh, stewardship, it's about money. It's really not about money. It's how do you treat people? You know, it's doing the right things when you're at work, doing the right things when nobody's looking. You know, we call it integrity. But I look at it and I say, who are you being? You know, because there is someone watching. You know, the only thing is he's just observing and, he, you know, sometimes, you know, he might smack you in the head and catch your attention and you might say, how did I end up in the spot that I am at this point in my life? And as well, well, all those things that I did that were wrong kind of put me here. And then all of a sudden now I'm going to turn to God and say, okay, I need a little help. And the reality is, is if we were living our lives more along the lines of, you know what, is what I'm doing right now in alignment with who I am and really why I'm here and what I was meant to be? And so when we think in this terms of responsible wealth and we celebrate, you know, this month where it's Financial Literacy Month, part of the message in all of that is really understanding is who are you, what are your values in your life, and making sure that God's at the center of all that. And so when we talk about Easter week, which we do at this moment, it really comes down to that. And then when we talk about financial literacy, financial literacy comes down to a lot of common sense. You know, Pete, you started out about debt. I mean, you've talked about, you know, money for years with people. And most of the time when you would talk about, you know, money with people, they were always asking if Pete, if you had a crystal ball. And what effectively were they asking you at that point, Pete? Well, those of us who tried and thought we were making a living by looking at the crystal ball, in the end, we only learned to be an expert on eating broken glass. So, But the, one of the things that brought to mind when you were just speaking is a story that I'd like to tell everybody. I've always liked to take scripture stories and try to bring them into the 21st century. And one of the favorite stories uh, that I like to share, and I think it ties directly into what you're speaking about, is that is when Jesus meets the rich man. And the way I do it, because I kind of grew up in the Bronx and New Jersey, I tie it into a, uh, a guy pulls up in a stretch-driven chariot. And he gets out and he says, hey, how you doing? Where's this Jesus guy? All of a sudden, this is, that sounds a little more Italian than anything so, to me. <laughs> so uh, he goes over and he, they say, well, what do I got to do to get in? And Jesus, it says, Scripture tells me to do this to you. Then. And he says, well, I'm doing all those things. Where do I sign up? And Jesus, well, I need you to do one more thing, and that is I want you to go home and have a garage sale. Put everything up for sale, what you don't sell there, put on eBay. Take all the money, give it to the poor, and come follow us. And that's when the guy looks at his watch and goes, oh, wait a minute. It, listen, my people call your people. And he goes away, and it says he goes away sad. Hmm. And I was, you know, what, why did he go away sad? And that is his heart wasn't prepared to do Jesus doesn't call all of us to be Mother Teresa. We don't have to give up everything and anything and go. But he wants us to have a heart like that. And what we need to ask ourselves this weekend is, are we ready to have that heart to be a Mother Teresa? Can we let go of our things? Now, listen, my book, you know this, Wall Street and Madison Avenue conspired decades ago to convince people that somehow if you have more money, you're going to have more happiness. So the guy driving the bus, according to them, can never be as happy as the guy that owns the bus company. But in real life, you and I have seen it over and over oh, again. Yeah. The bus driver is much happier than the guy that owns and, the business. And it's it's so truthful, you know, Peter, as you're saying that, I, I, I mean, I'm doing this 30-some-odd years, and I can't tell you the number of families that have issues. And whether they're families with no money or significant wealth, you know, they all have issues. And for some of them that have significant wealth, 
sometimes that type of money really complicates things because they have more access. And when you have sometimes more access, you have access to more problems. <laughs> Look, we all know that statistically, even from a secular viewpoint, um, the single largest thing that leads to divorce is matters of finance. Uh, talked about people about arguments at the end of the day it's the backbone to things families that don't talk to each other happen because it's something to do related to finance all god knew all this about the money and possessions and and i like to say one more thing before i run out of time my hero uh and, he, and it's a biblical hero but you can look at from secular as historians have is king solomon they say king solomon in his day was equal to a thousand warren buffett's that word is just amazing but he was a very simplistic man and one of the things and this is I know you strive in your business is he sought out good counsel it's very difficult to get that and people you and I both know they don't like to talk about money and you've experienced this you can have a husband and wife talking together and then have a separate conversation with them it's almost like two different conversations of how they look at it and all so money, there's an old from Timothy, people misquoted, oh, money's the root of all, all evil. Uh, it's the love of money, it says, is the root of all evil. And at one time, I loved money, and, you know, and, and I had ups and downs from that. And that's, that's what I think the message is, the humbleness of God going to the cross to recognize at the end of the day all the money in the world didn't matter. It's what you lived for and what you believe took place at that cross, and, and that's where it all began. And no amount of dollars is going to make that trial, which life is, really easier. Is it easier to be a mess with $3 billion versus no? Yes, economically, but mentally and eventually spiritually, doesn't matter. That's a great point, Pete. And you know, as you're, you know, we're talking and so forth, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the number of people that I've met over the years – that really lose sight. And when I say that they lose sight is they start out on the right track. And then what happens is, is because, you know, they want it, you know, they start putting money before, you know, God and before common sense, they start getting riskier and riskier what they're doing. And next thing you know is investing turned into speculating, speculating turned into gambling. And before you know it, it affects the marriage, it affects the kids, it affects them, you know, all along. And before you know it, you know, their life is totally out of whack. And that's why I say is in order to be happy, it's those wealth building blocks. And it starts with your faith, which is, you know, you start with, why am I here? Okay, what is it that you want me to do? And just looking at that, and then you go from there to saying, okay, it goes from faith to people. And when I say people, I call it family, but I go, my friends, my family, the people that are around those lives, how do I impact those? Then I go to what I call my health and myself, which is, am I health-wise, and when I say that, both mentally and physically taking care of myself, that I'm not putting myself in environments that are going to tempt me to do things I shouldn't be doing. You know, so you know, when the guys are going out to the bar and, I, and you take the pass because you go, that's not the place for me to put myself. It's not right for my health, mental or physical. You're not doing that. Then when you think in terms of your purpose in your career – if you look at it from this standpoint, which is, you know, we've talked through the month and we say that value, okay, goes before money. If I can create tremendous value for the people I serve, and whether I'm serving someone from working in a lunchroom to driving a bus to giving financial advice to an accountant or attorney, whoever, 
the more value I can create for others and treat them with love, treat them with respect, money will follow that. It, it, it is what it is. That's how it works. And then the last thing that you know I would say from that is, is that if you're really doing all that, you're living stewardship. So as we're starting to wrap up our show, Easter is a gift. What you're doing with your life is a gift back to God. And so I want to wish all of our listeners a truly blessed Easter. Peter, thank you so much for being on our show this week. Again, this been Peter Grandish has been with us you know, from Trinity Sports and Entertainment Management. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is Frank Congelos. If you have questions, you can write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, or email us at info at com. Thank you and have a happy Easter.